0: All right, welcome back to The Gospel for Life. We're so glad that you are joining us this morning, or if you're joining us in a podcast, maybe it's the evening. Uh, I am one of your co-hosts, Josh Bales, one of the pastors from the
1: well, Boise. I'm assuming that most people use the podcast at night. It, or in it, the it, afternoon, or it, the
0: shower. Well, No,
1: I was thinking that this helps them get to sleep at night.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that, hey, this is one of the great things about our show. You we are a sleep aid. You, you get to fall, <laughs>
2: fall asleep in the arms of Jesus. You know? <laughs> uh,
0: our regular crew around the table, Pastor Jonathan Van Hooken from Dayspring. Brother, glad you're here today. Glad to be here. It's good. Pastor Russ Herman from Cloverdale Reform Church. Glad you're here, Mostly.
1: I'm here mostly, or you're glad I'm here mostly?
0: Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and then uh, guest host today, Matt Masevich. Very good. Did I actually get that right? Or are you just trying to make me feel good? Nope, that was good. Okay, uh, pastor at uh, Sovereign Grace uh, Christian Fellowship. You guys are a Reformed Baptist congregation. Um, I was so glad to hear, because we've been meeting for lunch for... We 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 met each other at the G three conference in yep. Atlanta. Yep. We couldn't even meet each other in Idaho. I know. We had to go all the way across the country to meet each other. <laughs> Literally. And then um and then we started meeting for lunch. And I was so glad to hear um that you you guys recently your eldership recently adopted the 1689 London Baptist Confession. Yeah. Yeah. It's been so good. so awesome. That's that's so great. Um, where can people find you if they live in Nampa? Because we don't, you know, no Boise people go over there.
3: <laughs> you, you want the physical address? No, no, the,
0: the, the, the website.
3: Yeah, we're at SovereignGraceFellowship.org.
0: <laughs> okay, perfect. Um, okay, so we are going through some questions about evangelism, about gospel proclamation, about making uh, disciples in all nations. Um, here's the question today. How can you present the gospel to a friend or a family member who claims to be an atheist? How can you present the gospel to a friend or family member who claims to be an atheist?
1: And maybe behind the question is this whole idea of, as an atheist, they would not hold to um, God's word as authoritative. They wouldn't, you know, if they don't believe in God, then naturally they don't care um, what his word says. Um, So I think behind the question is some of those implications that – at least with many people we encounter, we interact with they they hold to some sort of higher being. Um, they hold to um, a, a sacred book or scriptures that they hold to be authoritative. A true atheist would not would not hold to any of those things. So does that change the nature of how we engage? Mm. Uh, atheism assumes too much uh,
2: assumes too much knowledge. So uh, at best, maybe you, you can start by. Convincing them that they're merely agnostic, and that they, you know, that they, they don't believe there's a god, but they, they can't s- simply say they don't know. But ultimately, I would, I would suggest that if, if I'm going to engage a, an atheist or well, actually, any anyone that we engage, it really is should be um, part of our prayer. Um, yeah. that God would provide the opportunities for us to communicate in his, the knowledge of him to that individual. Um, this is something that probably is missing out of most of our evangelism is that we, we're we not good at prayer in our own Christian life, mm.
3: and therefore we are not finding those opportunities that God has given to us. Mm. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. There's been times when I've engaged atheists, and I I try to use humor um, try to press the antithesis and um, I tell them, you know, you you don't believe in God but scripture doesn't believe in atheists because it says that uh, that you're suppressing the truth in unrighteousness so you're actually not an atheist, you're a rebel and I kind of do it with like a smile on my face and a right. chuckle and then they say, well, what do you mean? And then we can start from there, right. mm-hmm. you know, because they have something to prove as well, yeah. you know. Um, and I sometimes I think that Christians... They they get onto the defensive so much that they have to remember that they need to give an answer. Meaning, the person you're talking to, they need to give an answer as well. Mm -hmm. So, um, that's one of the ways I've I've tackled it. Just you know, is atheism really the issue? Because a lot of times, and many atheists that I've talked to that have come to Christ say, "Well, atheism never really was the issue. The issue was this sin." Yeah, this is what I wanted to do. This is what made me happy, right. and God was inconvenient to that. Mm-hmm. So exactly, yeah. I think that you're right on to something there. You know, it is
2: what it's the sin that they don't want to give up that yeah. uh, causes them to embrace atheism as yeah. much as anything else.
0: Yeah. So the part of the question was: Is how do you do this to uh, a friend or family member? And of course, uh, doing this to strangers is is also uh, part of what god would would have us to do but with a friend or family so this assumes that this person is in relationship with you on on some level maybe maybe even close i think one of the things in addition to prayer is like man try to live a consistent life keep them closer <laughs> yeah i mean try to live a consistent life and i, I choose that word carefully because I, I i would prefer to say godly but that might um That might give the wrong idea. Like a consistent life means that you're trying to obey the word. And when you don't, you repent and you confess. And if you're sinning against your atheistic friend or family member, then you do that with them because they don't have a category for confession of sin. And that in itself is a witness. Now, a, a consistent life is not the gospel. We talked about that on yesterday's program. But um, one of the things that they're doing is they're watching you to see if what you say with your words and how you live your life, if there's actually consistency there. And that that
1: matters. I sometimes think that um, those that embrace atheism cannot, by that um, belief system, create immunity to the difficulties and the hurt and the hardship of living in a fallen world. Um, And so is there anything in their belief system that can sustain them in their time of need that provides comfort, that provides hope, that provides deep seated joy, that provides peace, um, that allows them to sleep at night. And I, I don't think there is, yeah. and I think it's those moments that if you, as you're talking about a consistent life before them that you're going to probably go through the same difficulties, the same hurts, and the same um, hardships or whatever it might be, but we have a place to turn. We, we've, we've got a place of peace and comfort and of joy, of strength, or whatever it might be that they don't have, And and so I think it's just engaging in life Mm-hmm. Um, with those that claim to not believe in God. And, and, and Matt's right. I mean, they might claim that. Um, but at the end of the day, it, it's a false claim. Um, we know from God's word that that they do know that there is a God. They, they don't like that fact. Psalm 14 basically says, the fool says in his heart, um, there is no God. It, it It actually reads in its simplest form, the fool says in his heart, no, God, that it's its a rejection of God. They're saying no to God. It, it's, a, it's a rebellion, as Matt said earlier.
3: Yeah. You know, the interesting thing is every single one of us in this room has done multiple memorial services and funerals for believers and for those who did not believe and extended family members. When you are doing a memorial service for a believer and the church is full of family and friends who likewise believe, it is very different than doing a memorial service for a crowd of, of unbelievers. The feel in the room, the the joy mm-hmm. and the peace and the assurance on, on those who believe in, in comparison to those that don't are night and day. And um, I've just seen it over and over again. I don't know if you guys have seen the same thing. Yeah. Well, I can This will get us off topic, but I I can
2: remember doing uh, a memorial for somebody I was asked to do a service for them. I didn't know them, they lived as an unbeliever. Um, They wanted to do up in Discovery Park by Lucky Peak. Um, They passed around music uh, of his favorite song, and right before I was to give them some words of comfort, the song was Jimmy Buffett's Wasted Away in Margaritaville. Um, and I know, and I know, um, there is uh, not a whole lot of comfort in that. Um, I, think that I think that when you're dealing with um, those that don't believe, when, they, you, when you're dealing with somebody that's an atheist, it is actually helpful to ask them where, where their issues are with Christianity. Maybe, maybe so that you're just engaging them where they, where they want to be engaged, but also it's helpful to you because... You give a defense of the gospel that gives reassurance to your own heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, you realize that the, you, this is not just blind unbelief. There, there is a, there is something that you can ground yourself in, and that, and those things are beneficial to you as well as to the individual you're talking to. That's right.
0: I was talking to one of my relatives once um, who claimed to be an atheist, agnostic in that category, and um, you know the question always comes up the problem of evil, you know, if there is a good God, then why is there evil and suffering in the world? But with this particular relative, um, I tried to show him that the shoe is on the other foot. If there is no God, then how do you explain love? In this particular instance, he was heartbroken because his girlfriend had just broken up with him and his soul was aching. And I put my hand on him and I said, what part of you is aching right now? Is it your arm? Is it your flesh and bones? No it's something deep within you it's your soul. and how do you explain that? How do you explain love if there is no God? I think that's a powerful argument.
1: You guys were talking a moment ago about being at funerals where you know somebody that died outside of Christ, um, my mom's side of the family are all um, non-believers, and um, I've gone to a good handful of funerals of uncles and aunts and uh, grandparents that weren't believers and um, talk about a sad, um, sad moment. Paul talks about don't grieve like those that don't have hope. Mm-hmm. Um, these are funerals where people are grieving. There's a sorrow there. There is no hope. That's right. I mean, they're talking about things that are meaningless at the funeral because that's all they have to talk about. Yeah, And um, they can't talk about of anything of substance. They're trying to tell you how good of a person they were and, how good of a dad they were, or how good of a mom they were. Um, but they can't say anything more. And I think there's where we kind of have to gently push um with atheistic friends and families. Um, where's your, you know, it's cavalier to say, well, I don't believe in God, I, I don't believe in an afterlife. But maybe gently push and say, what if it's true? Mm-hmm what if there is a god i mean, what, what 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 is your going to be your response what what is your hope what how is what's your defense when you appear before god and and it needs to really be a genuine concern you're not trying to win an
2: argument no? you're trying to you 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 want uh, true fellowship with that person god willing, you love the person yeah, in front of you yeah and 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 you want them you you want them to enjoy what you enjoy uh, and uh and, uh, you know, like we're talking funerals, I mean, I, I think the biggest grief that comes over us when we hear about somebody passing away is realizing they pa- passed into a godless eternity. Yeah. And that and that really, that ought to motivate us to share the gospel even more.
1: Amen. I think C.S. Lewis in Weight of Glory is, is good on this. He'll say that every person that we encounter is an eternal being, um, mm. either an eternal being that such a glory will they'll possess someday that will will have a desire to want to fall down and worship them, or such it's such a grotesque figure that we would shrink back in horror. Um, and I think as we encounter people, if we keep in mind that these are eternal beings, that they'll have mm-hmm. an eternal destiny of incredible joy, or uh, eternal destiny of of eternal wrath. I think that helps as we engage with them. That's right. This has been the Gospel for Life. We'll see you next time.